0: Oh, the weakness of God's people. The weakness of God's people. A friend of mine, older and wiser than I at Stumptown Mennonite Church, we would talk about these things sometimes. And he would just shake his head sometimes and say, Oh, people, people. And then he would say, and I'm a people too. I've never forgotten that so wise and so full of Um, I guess mercy and compassion and yet shaking his head sometimes at the weakness of God's people. We gather this morning within the context of our national holiday on the heels of our Mennonite Church USA National Assembly and with our associate pastor vote on our minds at the conclusion of today's service and we gather around this theme of the weakness of God's people, which was kind of started last week by Samantha in a different twist with the story of, of uh, Naaman in 2 in, in Kings. With this, I quote Greg Boyle, who writes, God can get tiny in our lives if we are not careful. God can get tiny in our lives if we are not careful. Greg Boyle, in his book, Tattoos on the Heart, Jesuit priest and founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, located in the heart of gang violence. And I wonder, have we ever felt that God has become tiny in our lives, in our church, in our nation? Did Jesus ever feel that way? In our Mark text, we find that Jesus has arrived in his hometown of Nazareth after a whirlwind tour of scattered villages in Galilee. He's been healing and teaching all kinds of people, and they're flocking around him like ducklings to their mother. All kinds of people. People with illnesses deemed unfit to, to contact people with mental health problems, people hearing voices, dying people, people with irreversible health conditions, and Jesus is healing them. And all the while, he's telling them stories about insignificant mustard seeds growing into important plants in the life chain. He tells them stories of farmers planting seeds and then just kind of letting go. He tells them stories about lamps that are not meant to be hidden under things. And to these people, I think Jesus wanted them to know that God is not too tiny despite their weaknesses. So he returns home after this tour of the villages. And there's his mother and father, not his father, his siblings, his mother and his siblings. We think Joseph is gone by now. And guess what? He's invited to speak in his hometown synagogue. Now, that's an honor. I have felt that honor at Forest Hills Mennonite over the years to come back and speak once in a while. And so there he is among neighbors and friends and lifelong relatives and school classmates, and he begins teaching in a way that just kind of leaves them, you know, dumbfounded. You know, who is this guy? We we know him. This isn't the same fellow. We can't believe this is the same Jesus we knew all these, these years. And where did he get all this wisdom? And and what? how can he do all these powerful things because isn't, isn't he the carpenter's son that, that helped me repair our door seven years ago? Isn't he the carpenter's son who smashed his thumb with a nail, with a hammer, and hitting the wrong nail and so forth? Aren't his sisters here with us now and his mother? And, you know, these questions kind of are revealing, aren't they? They reveal the astonishment and dismissal of Jesus as God's messenger and I think that God is just too tiny for them to see God in their homie. But this is not a new thing in Mark. This section of Mark contains several types of negative responses to Jesus where, where people are kind of just sloughing him off. The pig herders, can't blame them, I guess, the pigs were killed. Uh, the disciples in the boat with Jesus. The mourners who tell a family not to bother calling Jesus because their daughter's already died has already died. And yet, there's a positive side sometimes in Mark. For some, for some, and by some I mean the weakest of the weak, the demonized man, the dead girl's parents, the woman with a long-term health condition. God is not too tiny. But back to Nazareth, Jesus has a number of responses to, to this dismissal of his appearance and sharing in the synagogue. He's first of all, he's he's simply amazed. I think maybe he was kind of expecting just a little bit of kudos for coming back home and and sharing in the hometown. They know him, or they think they do, but they feel scandalized by him for some reason. And I wonder, I wonder if we too have had any feelings like this. We are all known from our childhood and teen years and returning home, Uh, We we return home with maybe the memories of the people who we know well from years ago. They know our accomplishments and our failures as youngsters. And the concept of who we have been and who we are now maybe isn't quite the same in people's memory and so forth. So Jesus has some responses. Well, he says, well, prophets are just not without honor. Except in their hometown. We've heard that phrase over and over again over the years. We've heard that quoted. And yet it's not the first time. In chapter 3, we have a foretaste of this happening. He comes home again at that point as well, and he's out there teaching and sharing, and they go and tell his family about it. They think he's crazy. And his family comes out to restrain him. In other words, don't embarrass us anymore, Jesus, with what you're saying and doing. And then, and then uh, they call attention to the fact that his family is around him in chapter 3. And Jesus says to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Here are my mother and my brothers, enclosing the crowd around him. Whoever does the will of God is my mother and brother and sister. And so it seems like the result of God being too tiny in people's minds in Nazareth. Reduces Jesus' ministry. He can hardly heal anybody. People just aren't open to healing. He seems powerless. Maybe he's the crack doctor in town where people kind of go to him, not sure that he's a real doctor. So he is amazed at their unbelief. As one commentator says, he has this aura of surprised disappointment Secondly he goes to other villages. I think this is instructive for us when we face similar kinds of things he he goes to other villages. Now here there are no familiar doting aunts and uncles to expect some support. It's a kind of a pattern in Mark 4 or 5 times in chapter 1 2 3 and 4 we find where people's faith in him actually increases his fame or his his uh, ability to to uh, be be, a, be this prophet. It's almost like bad press is good coverage kind of thing in Mark. And thirdly, what happens, Jesus not only has a surprise, disappointment, he goes to other villages and responds to disappointment. He sends out other people. He sends out the 12 on this very mission of healing and, and, and ministry of healing. And so, in a sense, the weakness of God's people helps to expand Jesus' ministry. He tells them to go out in weakness. Don't take extra stuff along with you. Don't take too much luggage. Don't take too many provisions and and receive hospitality. Stay in the home that somebody offers you and stay there for a while and, and minister in spite of any weakness you feel. And so off they go, the 12. They preach repentance. They heal. They cast off demons. And they become a healing balm to many people sharing the good news of Jesus. This kind of weakness of God's people and how it expands God's power is is kind of a recurring theme in the Bible. In our lectionary text for today that we did not read in Ezekiel, we have these words that Ezekiel hears. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, And whether they hear or refuse to hear, they shall know there has been a prophet among them. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, and this is somewhat familiar to us, where he writes about having, living with a thorn in his flesh, or some kind of obstacle that always seems to come back and, and, and uh, hinders him. And we're not quite sure what that thorn is, but Paul concludes that my, my grace is sufficient for you, he's speaking the mind of Christ here, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So this is how Paul concludes experiencing all these things that are happening in his life. But the good news, friends, the good news is that we can insert this very agenda into the reality of our weakness. We can insert this agenda of understanding that God's power can increase when we are weak. And Greg Boyle writes that Ministry happens in the midst of suffering. We don't wait until we're no longer suffering anywhere until we can be ministering with people. We don't wait until things are all lined up well in our lives. Greg writes that ministry happens in the midst of suffering. We don't wait till there's no suffering to minister to people. And secondly, ministry results from suffering. So whether it's cancer or relationship, or seven african american churches burning in the southern states whether it's mental illness or loss loss of loved ones or job or influence or importance or importance or losses of our voice or betrayal when our god becomes tiny god simply wants us to realize that this is our idea of god and not god's idea and that's greg boyle's work in la with the toughest of the tough. He deals with people whose life struggle has been with a God who is always tiny. And if he does anything well, he helps people to discover that we are enclosed in God's goodness, not in God's powerlessness. And that's our work, my friends, here at East Chestnut. Despite our weaknesses, our work is to help people discover the largeness of God. Greg will say to people, you're great. In response to phrases like this, this is the end of the world, isn't it? And he hears this stuff all the time. And he says, no, of course it isn't. You're great. And for me. What is my reminder of this greatness of God when I think God is too tiny? By the way, Matt, that was my response to your question. I think I come here because sometimes I think my God is too tiny. And I need to be reminded that that's my thought. So for me, it's Luke 15, the story of the father and the two sons. This story for me, above all others, reminds me that God is not too tiny for me and for you. Otherwise, God can be tiny if we are not careful. Amen.